There is a way, and that way is forward together. This is the John Peacock Podcast. Welcome to Season 2. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is John. It's great to see you guys. This is episode 16, episode 16, season two. And on Monday, what we talk about is a little bit more about whatever we're preaching on uh, on the weekend. And so right now as a church, we're going through the book of Philippians in a teaching series called Standing Strong. Uh, Yesterday, we uh, we had uh, Pastor Ted Canaris, one of my best friends in the whole world. He leads one of the locations for Community Christian Church. So Ted, if you're watching this, thanks for teaching us, and uh, it's such a such a gift to have you with us. And uh, I have on the show uh, each Monday during this Philippian series uh, a friend of mine, a, a fella that's part of the mission community and has been pretty much since the very beginning, Dr. Sanjay Merchant. What's up, brother? Good job. Good to see you. And uh, thanks again for being on the show to help us a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit more and a little bit, uh, I would say even uh, deeper around this incredible gem of a four chapter epistle called Philippians. Man, I'm loving this book. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing epistle. It's absolutely amazing and unique in so many ways. Yeah. Last week we had a good chat around the context of it. Uh, if you go back and watch a video, there's like multiple times I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I knew a few things about Philippians, but it's just so fun. As we said last week, context is key. And one of the things I hope that you guys that are watching this uh, live, whether that's on, on Facebook or on wearemission.online, or perhaps you're catching it later um, in a different, a number of different places, but um, context is key. And it's so important when we're studying the Bible to do the hard yet necessary, I would even say fun work of understanding the context um, of that. And so that was last week. If you missed it, go back and watch that. It's so important for you to understand the context of the book of Philippians. Uh, what we're going to do today is start talking about some uh, kind of specific themes that, uh, that we see, some verses. And I'm just going to kind of put you in the, in the hot seat, Sanjay. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right, cool. So uh, chapter one, Paul says some words that are pretty famous uh, when it comes to you start reading the Bible, you start getting around church for any length of time. You'll, you'll probably hear these words quoted uh, where he talks about to live as Christ, to die as gain. And it's this epic statement. What is, what's he getting at there? What does that mean? What, what's going on? Why is he saying that? Why does that even matter uh, as we're studying Philippians? Right. <laughs> it's a weird way of stating um, what he intends to say. Yeah. Um, so we talked about, we talked the context, uh, pretty deeply last time, as you said, and, you know, remember here, he's, he's, um, he's, it's at the end of Acts and Luke has narrated for us his ministry and he's under arrest, uh, in Rome. And, um, he says that, uh, you know, my, my chains, my arrest here hasn't been for nothing. I, I'm not wasting away here. He says, even the whole Praetorian guard is hearing of the gospel. And uh, if you know any Roman history, I'm going to stray away from the context. I'm not going to get too deep into it. But the Praetorian Guard, they were the emperor's guards. These guys were like the Roman hell's angels. And, you know, they were bad dudes. They were really bad dudes. I mean, sometimes people became emperors of Rome because the Praetorian Guard said so. They would kill that guy who was about to become emperor, and they would say, no, it's going to be this guy. They were just bullies. And so he says, you know, my chains haven't been for nothing. So he's surrounded by these 
murderers. <laughs> uh, and he said, the gospel is being spread among these people. He's about to see Caesar. And he knows that likely he's not going to survive that. That's probably how Paul died. Uh, Luke doesn't tell us because Acts ends. He probably died after he preached to, to Caesar. And what did he preach to Caesar? I think it's um, a hymn that we see in chapter two. Mm. So he knows he's going to die. It's so strange that the theme of the book should be joy. He's yeah. writing to the Philippians who he loved so much. And um, they have always supported him. Philippians seem to be a unique church in that other churches have at times forsaken him. Um, they've, they've turned to a different message like the Galatians in um, the, the church at Colossae, um, or sorry, the church at Corinth. They seem to have turned to other teachers and thought, well, Paul's not such a big deal, is he? These other people seem to be more impressive. And they other places, they've seemed to have forsaken him. That never happened with the Philippians. So he says, it looks like I'm going to die. And is that such bad news? Because if I do, I've run the race. Um, I've completed the task that God put before me. I get to be with him. And so as an apostle, you know, he sees his death coming and he doesn't lament or regret his life. He's very thankful for the life and the time he's been given. And he says, I'm going to be with, so for me to die is Christ. You might say, well, for me to die is to be with Christ. He doesn't say all of that. Um, he just says, Christ is in me. And then I will now be in Christ. You know, I will be at union with Christ. It's like marriage where you're at union with your spouse, mm. deep and intimate way, even more so. We so deeply identify with Christ. Uh, so to die is Christ. It's to be with him, to be at union with him. And that's um, his ultimate happiness. He's only seen glimpses of that happiness in his life. Um, and so to die is actually his gain. It's actually to give him riches. And then he's just sort of vacillates. He says, but for you Philippians, I love you so much. Yeah. It's important to be with you. I know that you need me and I know that you worry about me. So I'm, and he's legitimately torn. <laughs> he's not, he's not, um, uh, he's not being funny about this. He's legitimately torn, which is a really strange state to be in, if you can imagine. Man, yeah, it's almost like, you know, but for your sake, I'm, I think I'm going to stay, but I really want to go. And, you know, even, you know, just if all of life is about discipleship, which I believe it is, you know, for us to, you know, walk a few miles with this, you know, hero of our faith named Paul and just, man, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to get around any great leader and just try to think how they think, you know, like, what's their mindset? Like, how do they approach things? You know, and just to think about how Paul thinks is incredible. And, and certainly we pick up some of these, um, maybe we could even just jump to chapter four. You know, he says something in chapter four that, man, you talk about the word of God being so relevant and timeless where he says, all right, be anxious for nothing, yeah. be anxious for nothing. And so in chapter four, maybe you could talk a little bit about that of, um, this be anxious for nothing, you know, and, and he says, you know, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Um, and right now, I, th I think we would say like, even now, <laughs> you know, even rejoice now. Uh, so what's even going on in, in chapter four is he's kind of closing up and he talks about to be anxious for nothing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd be curious what, what some of your thoughts are about that. Yeah. Paul says elsewhere, similarly, he says, um, in all things, I've learned to be content, whether I have much or I have very little. Right. Um, God gives and God takes away. We learned that from Job. And he learns that lesson 
actively in his life and ministry. Hmm. Um, there are times when he has, there's been times in his life when he's had wealth, where he's had a claim. And there's times in his life where he's been um, not considered anyone of any, any note. Um, he's been stoned. He's been um, left for dead. He's been shipwrecked. He's lived in, in an impoverished life. He's been, he's labored hard in ministry and God has brought about a lot of fruit. And then he's been discarded and, um, um, and, and, and betrayed by people that he's poured his life into. So he's had much and he's lost much. And he's, he says, I've learned through all of this, that God is in control of all these things, um, that God gives and takes away. And I've found to, I, I've learned to find my um, wholeness, my, uh, to place my trust and my hope in him, because all of these things that are given in life are ultimately going to be taken away. Now, this is kind of the story of life and death. You're born naked with nothing and you die the same way. And all the things that you accumulate, not just the riches and the wealth we think of, but even think about the relationships that are so valuable to us. Um, the things that we learn and we value and we think are so important and we trust in and we hope in and um, all of that comes to an end. And you come to the end of the, of the line and um, there's, there's one thing left. And uh, we often don't, I struggle with this in my life, I often value other things over my relationship with Jesus Christ because they seem so much more present. They seem so much more relevant. Um, those things come and go. There's a period and there's a time for them. You know, I, I can think of one thing in my life that, uh, you know, this John, that, um, you know, that I've invested a lot in, in, in recent years is, um, you know, coaching my sons in sports and you were, you were an athlete and you remember how important that was in your life. And, um, you know, for young people who are into sports, it's really important. It becomes part of your identity and it's so important to them. And I've invested so much in coaching them and all these things. And I'm seeing it come to an end, the, the end of the line. My older son is going to transition to college. My younger son is not that far off. Um, if my identity were in that, being coach, uh, you know, that, that all comes to an end. And that's, that's an important thing to do. That's, but it's not something to ultimately trust in. Um, and Paul is seeing that, you know, as the, uh, as the, um, the, the sword is uh, literally materializing over his neck. Amazing. Yeah. Hey, so, something in chapter one, this is what uh, Ted talked about um, this weekend is uh, verse 27. Uh, it's all about unity. And I think right now, uh, maybe I'll pull it up. We can read it. Uh, let's see. Philippians. Yeah, I, I think right now so many folks are like, man, how, what is unity? Um, can we be unified with someone that's sitting across the row that votes differently than me? Um, so, you know, because of Facebook, you like know a little bit more about people these days. Maybe back in the day, you didn't actually know some of the things they comment or post or share, you know? And I think a lot of folks right now, Sanjay, are, are like, man, how, how do we stay unified as the body of Christ, even if we may not agree on everything? You know, is unity and agreement on everything the same? You know, so he writes, you know, let your, the man of your life, this is ESV, be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come or see you, I'm absent. I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I love, I love that. So I'd love for us to, if you don't mind, if we could talk for a couple of minutes just about unity and like, how do we, how do we do that? When are we all supposed to think exactly the same things, vote exactly the same way? Uh, it can be a little tricky. 
Yeah, isn't that the difficulty? I, you know, I wish I knew the 10 steps to unity in the church. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, to, we're told to strive for unity, and it sounds like something that is difficult, where we're wading through things like, uh, the, you know, the, the depths of human psychology and what really motivates us and our biases and things like that. And hopefully for we who are in Christ, beneath all of those, those things is a, the single same spirit that moves through us all that um, really constitutes our deepest motivation. Sometimes we can't even explain. Um, when I first became a believer, I couldn't really explain why I mysteriously began to love Jesus Christ. I, I didn't understand it myself. It was so actually um, disorienting to me in some ways. Um, I had this mysterious love for Jesus and it became a sort of basic motivation for me. But the things that I thought, like my philosophical views, my political views that had been molded by who knows what experiences and a little bit of understanding and a little bit of reading this or that. Some things just seemed to have traction with me. Some people that I respected said some certain things. And so it was a hodgepodge of things that had sort of accumulated in my head. My scientific and historical views of things all sort of came together and sort of uniquely constituted the way I thought. And then I had this deep love for Jesus. And bringing those two things in line is really the lifelong process of Christian discipleship. We should have charity and care for each other and realize that we've had different experiences. We've seen different things. Different things have struck us in different ways. We know certain things that others don't know. And in other cases, we have false beliefs. We are ignorant of some things that others know. And so um, we're at different stages and we can have charity and understanding for others who don't see things our way, but still recognize the same spirit um, in them, the same deep and basic affection for Jesus Christ, and then strive with one another as brothers and sisters, and not anathematize each other over trivial items of politics. Uh, not to say that they're not important, but ultimately, mm -hmm. um, ultimately, I mean, I mean, think about these these things, these very important things. Even they will pass away, um, and we won't identify ultimately. I mean, I'll just say this: we won't identify yeah. ultimately by political. Uh, tribes. We won't ultimately identify by racial distinctions. We won't. We won't ultimately uh, identify by gender distinctions. We won't. In Christ, um, we will ultimately know and experience our unity. Whether you like it or not, if you're in Christ, you're going to be at union with those right now who you think are off their rockers for voting for the other guy, who mm -hmm. you can't right. understand. And you say, hey, uh, I believe in Jesus. This is the gospel. If you don't agree with me and you're voting for that guy, defriend me now. Guess what? You can do that now on Facebook. That's not going to fly in eternity. <laughs> no, that's good. So yep. let's strive now. Let's strive now and be charitable, yep. even though it's hard and it's unsettling and we don't like it. Yeah, and you know, it's a, I, I love how how Paul writes that you know, we're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side, and then he says what we're striving side by side for for the faith of the gospel. And I think right now the struggle is real that everyone is feeling of, man, how do we, how, you know, this whole cancel culture, if someone thinks differently than me, says something differently than me, we just, we just cancel them. And, and that's, it's really, uh, it, it's not good. It's really yeah. not good. And I, I think, you know, when I think about unity, at least for our church is, hey, can we find some common ground here? can we get on board with helping people find and follow Christ? Uh, you know, that's, you know, we've taken the great commission and distilled it down to six words. It's not perfectly thorough, but it's, it's clear. 
can can we can we can we get on board? Can we strive side by side with that? That we are all about helping people find and follow Jesus Christ. That they would find and surrender their life to the most incredible news of all time, uh, which is the love and mercy of God through through His Son Jesus Christ. And not only that, that they would then see all of life as discipleship, that they would then go on making disciples, that they would join Jesus in the renewal of all things. Can we get on board? Uh, can, we, can we really stand side by side with that? And, and I think, um, I, you know, was it uh, Augustine that had that amazing quote about, let's just not make everything a, a hill to die on? I mean, he said it a lot more eloquently, <laughs> but... Uh, let's, let's really stick to the core doctrines. Let's really stick to the apostles creed, but there are just a lot of other things. I think that can't we have room? Can't we have room to say, you know what? I respectfully disagree. Quite frankly, I don't even know how you arrived at that and that's okay. But you and I are going to still stand side by side striving, um, you know, for faith of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as a theologian, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll beat this drum and, and sometimes it can maybe come off the wrong way. I certainly don't mean to, but um, I think in, um, in, in our circles and Bible believing uh, Christian faith, um, one of the reasons why it's been so fractured is that we have become fairly ignorant of the teachings of the Bible. Um, we don't know it sufficiently well. We, we pine for God to answer our prayers, and uh, God says, I've given you an answer. And uh, if we really believed that this was what God had to say to us, um, and this was, we, would, we would pour through it. But often we just don't. We don't have the motivation to do it. And I wonder if it's because we don't really believe it. Or maybe we hope that there's just an easier, magical way. God will speak to me with an audible voice. When, when we haven't really devoted ourselves to this as the early church did, we're not going to be transformed. And we're going to call ourselves Christians. And then what we're going to do is we're going to live by our own lives. We're going to believe ourselves to be beneficent because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't want bad things. I don't want anyone hurt. I don't want to disenfranchise anyone else. The things that I'm trying to do are for everyone's good. And I have identify with this political party or this, this philosophical idea. And when you don't, then you're just against everything that's good and holy, right? But really what we've done is we've, we've rewritten the gospel in our own image. We've misidentified, partially identified the gospel with certain political ideas. We haven't really understood the fullness of it. And when we really unify around things like, maybe next time we'll talk about Philippians 2 and the Christ hymn, where yeah, I love very succinctly summarizes the whole of the gospel. If we understand the depth of what he's saying there in Philippians 2, and we actually unify around those things, uh, we actually find a, a ground for speaking the same language. Hmm. Yeah, let's let's get into that next week. I'm going to be teaching specifically on humility and doing my best to teach some of what it it starts with there in chapter two, and then maybe on Monday we can talk more in depthly on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, would you pray for us as we as we finish up? Absolutely. Awesome. Father, we thank you for this time together to fellowship around uh, Philippians. Um, in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by your Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would continue to um, 
bear fruit in John's ministry as he teaches, particularly through this series, and that it would be transformative to the mission community, um, that we would fellowship around this book, that we would speak these truths to each other, that we would, um, as friends in fellowship, we would discuss these things, even debate them, challenge one another with the teachings of the apostle, um, and that iron would sharpen iron, and that we would uh, joyfully and carefully uh, mutually mold one another by means of, uh, of your spirit. And again, through this book, that we would come to deeply understand the meaning of Philippians, that we would be transformed by it, and slowly by your hand become different people who uh, are in fellowship, different people who come to agreement. We are not necessarily an intellectual lockstep. We have sometimes different perspectives and, and different beliefs. Uh, but so far as they don't impinge on the gospel, we are in unity and we challenge one another, we change one another, we inform one another, Lord, and, and we, we pray that you would do that and, and bring about joy and praise through that process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sanjay. Hey, everyone, have a great start to your week. We will see you Wednesday for Wellbeing Wednesday with, uh, with Brian Silver, our favorite Christian therapist. Have a great start to your week. See you guys soon. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. For more content or to access the show notes, visit johnpeacock.com. Until next time, keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you've got, be resolute, and love without stopping.